Hello and welcome to Prospect Paper Bags. Uh, this is Tara. Hi, I'm Tash. Hi, I'm Alex. And we've been uh, reading The Lightery this month, which is a lovely novel by Frances Hardinger. Hardinger? Harding? Harding? I'm not I think sure. it's Harding, but it's got an E on the end, which is just really <laughs> gratuitous. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. We, we were laughing about the fact that it's called The Lie Tree because what we discovered is we all read this lying down um, because that's my happy place when I read this, to snuggle, <laughs> snuggle down. I read mine uh, on my iPad uh, using the Libby app and I locked the rotation on my iPads and um, snuggled it up against a pillow so I could... Uh, read it with my head on a pillow, which is absolute bliss. I recommend it. You read yours on um, on my phone, phone, but also from Libby, and it was a, yeah. still a pretty good experience. I didn't realize how many uh, customizable features there were in Libby, and the I think it's called like dyslexic friendly or something option is really good for if you have trouble focusing on some of the letters. I uh, really what I want to say about this is that was an, a promise you, not a paid endorsement from our <laughs> amazing unpaid volunteer Alex. But can I say that was. Strategic view and fantastic, because but it is genuinely an awesome app. So the book that we read is, of course, available as an ebook on the ah, and that's the sound there. Make that happen again. Ooh, yeah. And the breeze, even. That's it was a beautiful nice. breeze. We we've been so unselfish and turned the aircon off for you, amazing listeners, so that uh, that doesn't impact on the quality of our um, rudimentary recording here. But that you you're right, Tash. Do you want to try that one more time, just for mmm? Yeah, nice. that's how nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. That there is a sound of a physical book. You can also get it as a physical book. Plenty of copies. Absolutely, there are plenty of copies through the the library network. Uh, so ebook and physical book, uh, whatever you, uh, whatever format you read, uh, we've got some mixed opinions for you here today. I would like to start with Tash before saying how much I really enjoyed it. I loved this book, and now controversially, let's juxtapose that again. <laughs> For some reason, you keep thinking <laughs> that no, I didn't enjoy it. I feel it. like you're lukewarm on it. No, no, I'm getting quite to it. Sorry. <laughs> It was a little bit slow to start with and I thought how period is this period book going yeah. to be um, because when we read a Charles Dickens one, did we read one for you or was another group? It wasn't. Okay. Oh my God, so when you're I reading read Charles a, Dickens, did you cheat on our book group? No, this, book so group? this was a while ago then. Okay. It was really hard work and I just thought, oh God, because I, I, I quit that, mm. I didn't read the whole book. But as I read on, I got more and more engaged with the story and got sucked in, to be honest. And so I'm nearly finished, but I haven't quite finished the book. But I really enjoyed it. And I loved, again, it's one of those books where you're going back in history mm. to a day where children were seen and not heard and mm. women had no voice and... We've got this, the, the, the main character in it really is this young female who's not allowed to um, read the science books that she so desperately mm. wants to read um, and be part of that whole scientific world. And mm. she's got this brilliant mind, but that's only a tiny little part of it. But I just, you know, I've, I've, found, I've always find that really interesting because I forget how lucky we are to live in the time that we live in with all the work that the women who've come before us have done on our behalf so that we have all of the 
privileges that we do and you know how appreciative I am of that and then when you read books like this you think oh my god how hard it must have been for some women and young girls growing up in times like that knowing that they had a brain and that they had something to say but they weren't they were always you know discouraged from that yeah and it's funny you say knowing they had a brain because that's specifically something that the, the book talks about. There's lots of mentions of uh, phrenology, I think it's called, mm. where they, oh, they yes, measure yes, the size of the brain. Did. And yep. that's one of the justifications for, oh, you know, women can't do this and girls because can't do that heads. because they've got smaller heads. But mm. obviously we know that that's bunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think what I would say about phrenology is it's one great contribution to society is some awesome antiquities. Because how cool are those little um, ceramic Measuring phrenology tools. heads? Yeah, just interesting. <laughs> The, the heads so really really cool a fantastic a fantastic antique kitsch that you can buy for your house uh, <laughs> thanks to that ridiculous theory on heads and brains yes and i haven't even really given any sort of hint as to the book but i think mm. I, I like really always enjoy alex's yes um, she does it well i'm gonna drop him in so it not, all right so, yeah. Give it. Uh, so to summarize the lie tree we uh we have a victorian setting uh, the family sunderly uh and the main character is faith their family has been kind of outcast by the scientific the scientific community and they have had to move to a different more remote part of england where they won't be hounded by the press for whatever this scientific failing was and then we follow faith as some um, things happen on this island some oh how would i describe it without being spoilery Eerie tragic, mysteries. Yeah, some yeah. tragedies, oh, yeah, some mysteries yes, kind, of, um, kind of present themselves. Yeah. And she finds out about the lie tree, a plant that you feed lies and it gives you visions of the truth mm. and then weaves that into But you life. have to create the lie. You have to make yeah. people believe the lie yes. and then you can feed it to the lie tree. Yes. Um, and it's very good and interesting. Mm. That's a very good synopsis. She is. Yeah, it's... What I love about it is I've, I've always enjoyed gothic novels. So I was a big fan of, you know, the Bronte sisters um, books. And this is that, but because it's come from the lens of a, a modern writer, it's got that awesome feminist uh, message in it. And I think it's funny, a lot of the stuff that we read, and it's probably because maybe they're your suggestions, Alex. Possibly, has, yeah. <laughs> has a real, but I don't think it's just that reason. I think a lot of the stuff that we read has a real feminist message in it. And it could just be because of the lens of us as the mm-hmm. readers mm-hmm. that we, you know, and particularly this one, I think because of the historical context and, and how it is illustrated the ridiculous disparity between men and women mm. and and how you know if you're a woman and interested in you know natural science you almost have to hide behind a man to even be able to explore that as a topic which you know this day and age seems absurd but you know i think this one definitely is one that would be suitable for you know teen readers i think is even it, young teens yeah yeah young yeah. teens absolutely so say you know, 12 12 plus yeah that yeah, sounds about right yeah, definitely and i would say it's an important book for those women as well and and boys those young women and boys because it i think highlights something that as we get further into the 21st century we just take for granted is our ability as women to participate in sport 
and participate. Not, I mean, obviously, those of us that choose to, I'm not one of those people. I'm inside, <laughs> inside girl, you know. But, but if we choose to participate in sport, participate in you know the maths and sciences, you know, and all of those things that we just assume have mm. always been given to us, and it's only when you look through history that you realise naively that they are things that have been hard fought in um, in society by women before us. I think the other interesting thing is, you know, it was only a generation ago, like I know I've had this conversation with you before about my mum, and I'm 47, when she got married at 24 or 25, had to leave her employment. But mm. because she was married, mm. she had to stop work. There was no other reason mm. she like she wasn't mm. pregnant. There was no other reason for her to have to quit apart from the fact that she got married. Mm. And that's just one generation ago, you know. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, I was you know born in the eighties and yeah, same thing for my mother and any conversations involving super you know, women would be sent out the room <laughs> because superannuation wasn't anything that they needed to worry their pretty mm. heads about. So we've definitely come a long way. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that was an element I loved about the book, but definitely the, the gothic element, the, the supernatural, was something that I found really thrilling. There was quite an adventure aspect to it as well, which yeah. I found really cool. It was quite exciting. Yeah. yeah. One thing I really loved about the kind of the feminine tropes and, and the place of women in the book was that at the very start, I was like, oh, it's a Victorian book. It's going to be very much about, you know, kind of that, that oppression and how they weren't mm. able to to participate and then the further and further you got in you, you took back the layers and realized that she's really turning these tropes on the head mm. and they're actually this book is full with powerful clever mm. women but they unexpected. had to be clever they mm. had to be it was almost conniving you know Definitely. they couldn't just come out and and say what they wanted to say or yeah. do what they wanted to do they they had to manipulate the situations yes to achieve the result they wanted yeah and she does and that's a really good observation because a lot of the uh, sort of background characters in the book are presented as being haughty or aggressive or standoffish or conniving and we discover that that's actually their survival mm. tactics mm. Yeah. to either her mask something the about same. themselves mm. absolutely yeah. so you know the um, her mother a woman who is hiding her uh, passion for science and another one who's uh, hiding her uh, sexuality as well so yeah it was um, a really interesting read from that point of view because I think that only recently in the media it was actually just last night I was watching the feed SBS and they were talking about the conditioning of women not to be angry women aren't allowed to express anger in the workplace in home whereas the people in this uh, show that I was watching were saying, well, men, you know, men are. If men express anger, it's shown as persuasion and, um, you know, power and, you know, dominance and all those things that are seen as masculine qualities and that it's not a feminine for, for women to express anger. So I think that uh, even when you come down to that level, there's a lot of things still that we suppress. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a long way to go for sure. Yeah, in fact I, there's a place, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's this place called Smash Splash. Oh, I yeah. That, yeah. So it's just opened up, I think in Melbourne? I think yeah, based I on the laneways I could see in the, do in the doco, I reckon it's in Melbourne. And basically what they did is they opened up this place for, for people to be able to go in and express anger 
and get it out as like a cathartic experience by paying full time to smash things <laughs> you know, in a room. The door would be locked. They could just, they were, you know, kitted up with, you know, protective equipment, given a sledgehammer and allowed to just destroy things or smash plates <laughs> or bash TVs. Um. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when... I'm not sure about the sustainability element of that, but it was definitely e-waste. It was an old TV. <laughs> uh, or, you know, if that if you prefer something slightly less loud, you could choose to go into a room and uh, burst um, balloons of paint against a wall, uh, which is then cleaned <laughs> off afterwards, and that could be something that, you know, to ease into the smashing maybe at a later date. And what they found is it's overwhelmingly women who mm. participate uh, in this um, particular service. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a bit of an aside, but I, I just think it's funny because, you know, even now I think there's so much that is still taboo. Mm. Uh, women's topics, there's still so many emotions that we're not allowed to really express without the judgment that's seen, you know, in the book towards women that were strong, you know, they were given those labels. Yeah. So. And I thought a lot of that judgment in the beginning of the book mm. was coming from Faith herself. Yes. And then one of my favourite quotes out of the mm. entire book was towards the end where it said, Faith had always told herself that she was not like other ladies, mm. but neither, it seemed, were other ladies. Exactly. So she'd really come to accept, mm. you know, the, just the brilliance and the, the complexity of the women around her mm. and that it wasn't just that they were emulating men, but actually they were just mm. like them. That's an in, absolutely beautiful quote, isn't it? So good. Gorgeous. I, because I, one of the things that I hate most in any book is that whole women like tearing down other women in yes. order to make them feel good. Or absolutely. The, the not like other girls yes. trope. Yeah. Oh, I hate it with every part of me. Yeah. And I kind of thought that they I was seeing that. that. They broke that apart like yeah. crazy, didn't they? Yeah. I thought by the yeah. end of it, it was absolutely smashed and it was Definitely. just such a good way to do it. And in well, a way, it's kind of sad. I mean, you know, there's this young girl who thinks, oh, if I show myself as being clever enough, and I'm, I'm clearly not like any of these other women, if I show myself as being clever enough, then it'll be that'll be my strategy, that'll be my easy way mm. of getting to explore science as a career and getting to do those incredible things. I don't have to be a, a wife and a mother and all these things. And then she discovers, well, the naivety in that, in that the generation before her uh, had probably thought, thought that too and mm. had, yeah, had to... Um, yeah, come up with these strategies to to sort of hide their true selves. So yeah. thanks. It's <laughs> also just a really interesting mystery. I, yeah, I don't read a lot of um, cozy yeah. crime, but I felt like yeah. it had a little bit of that cozy crime element yeah. where you just kind of all of the people were were shown to you. Christie. Was a little bit Agatha Christie. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of the strength or weakness of the men in the book? Oh, that's tough. Yeah, mm. I'm just thinking of. Her father, and we don't want yeah. to get too much away, but he's seen as this strong man that she looks up to and fears. And her mum, who is, I think, quite severe as well, she doesn't fear her for that. She resents her and thinks she's a bit of a mm. joke. And so he's, you know, she sees this quality in him, really respects him for it, and is in awe of him. And it's interesting that she discovered that actually men are not two-dimensional. They're not these mm. just these figures of power that don't have flaws, they have weaknesses as well mm. and that doesn't make, make them less a man, it just means that, um, you know, they're fallible, mm. you know, and I think that we, we see weakness in women as, oh, well, women are weak, they are the fairer sex and so they will be fallible, but men, you know, they are put in a pedestal. We kind of, there was that sort of old-fashioned uh, notion that I think that she had to come to terms with and maybe mm. also there's that coming of age. I mean, we... 
I think, see our parents, and obviously she saw that more of her dad than her mum, her dad as this... We we see our our parents, basically, as these figures that are... uh, Everything they say is gospel, Mm. and everything they do is wise and clever, and they wouldn't make mistakes, uh, and they wouldn't uh, make poor choices or have faults or weaknesses or secrets. And it is around probably the age that Faith is in this book that we all discovered that that's not true. And that's, I think, one of the, the sad and scary things about adolescence is realising mm. that actually people haven't got it figured out at all. And definitely this is one of those coming-of-age kind of stories. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't really considered it as a common mm. coming-of-age story, but it totally is, yeah. especially when you put it in context of her discovering the flaws and strengths of her yeah. parents because it's kind of yeah. learning both there. Definitely. I don't know, I hated her father, but I was also yes. very intrigued by yeah. his history and I wanted Absolutely. to know more about him. Yeah, I mm. still do. I think I think he's a horrible guy. Oh, he's just dre- dreadful. Definitely, whereas I think that his her mother, I can have a lot more respect for because mm. of the, the extra dimension that we see in her. So. See, I haven't finished the book, okay. so there's some bits yeah, that I'm honestly right. still So I'm totally missing, probably spoiling just, it for you yeah. guys as well, but no. maybe I'm maybe for, for people listening and for Tash as well, maybe I'm making you want to read I'm, the rest I'm of it now. Of, oh, well, I do definitely. Okay, good, I will, good. I'll it's finish a book it, for you there. Yeah, it's, a book. <laughs> it's interesting because I hadn't picked up on some of those things, and no. I'm thinking, okay, so what happens in this tiny little bit that yeah. I've got left to read? Oh, it's the best bit. That makes oh, you amazing. Really, really good. And Yeah, and I think the other thing too is we have this idea when we're young of adults being good Mm. ones that you know and actually that's kind of a dark message in the book really is we think well strangers are bad but anyone we know is good Mm. and they don't do bad things and there's some people really breaking the law in this in this book and I think that you know and she's exposed to danger as a result of this and I think that is an interesting part of that adolescent story as well Mm. so yeah Anyway, you got some final thoughts on the lie tree? I just really liked it, guys. No, yeah, yeah, I'm really it was, enjoying it. Yeah, it's absolutely. very good. Yeah, a really underrated book, I yeah. think. I mean, it's not one that. Well, it won an award, didn't it? Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it cost a book of the year. But often that's the case, isn't it? That something will be literally. Like recognizing the in the what is the illiter- Costa book of the year? I always struggle, I struggle over the word literary, but you know, like it'll be recognized as being good literature, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a commercial success. Often That's true. To a kind of mutually exclusive, I can't. I don't really imagine that this was a commercial success. Not overwhelmingly, it's not. Yeah, I haven't a seen it in, yeah. in bookstores. To be to be I fair, I feel like was this your idea? It was. I yeah, saw it um, at the Tint Street Library. Oh. I saw it just on display. That is the best way of discovering books. And I know we never actually get any engagement over these. We know that you're listening because we see the stats, but I'd really <laughs> like it if you could share with us. Just come to the library and let us know or pop it on the Facebook comments or the SoundCloud comments. But I'd be very interested to know if, if you've ever discovered a book just by picking it up, liking its cover. Uh, an example of one for me is Chris Wormsley, oh, Bereft. Uh, it was one that I just really liked the cover of. So basically, the takeaway is totally judge a book by its cover. <laughs> judge a book by its cover because you'll um, you'll discover some real gold there. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining mm. us. Uh, for our next read, we will be having a look at The Outsider by Stephen King, Yay! which I'm pretty sure was like a 1979 book, I want 
to say. So it's been a throwback. Really? I thought it was a new. Maybe it's an, oh, it's been republished. Oh, maybe. Uh, wow. That's we'll what tell I thought I saw. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's some exciting. Is, is it new <laughs> or is it republished? We'll find out next Ooh. on the next edition of Library of <laughs> Prospect Paperbacks. Uh. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Oh, wait, we were going to oh. give it um, our cardigan award. Oh, my award. God, yeah, cardigan. We have any cardigans? Um, I'm I would give probably it, give it three out of five. So you're three-quarter cardigan from Tash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. I thought it was great. I'd give it a four out of five cardigans. Yeah, sweet. So basically, whatever happens, you've got at least a mid-length cardigan. <laughs> yeah, um, you've something for a chilly it's no, day. It's no bolero, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yes, uh, we'll um, we'll speak to you guys next time. We we, we won't. You'll you'll hear us speak, and that's about it. It's very one-sided. But uh, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.